friends, as we begin uh, the second in a series of messages, a brief series uh, that we'll have during the summer months, uh, the summer summer months Sundays that we are here, we will be here, Faye and I, through the beginning of August, the August long weekend. There's going to be a a little bit of a reunion. We're going to celebrate with some family, have a lot of visitors on that Sunday. Uh, the latter part of August will be away. There'll be some other folks sharing. But on the Sundays that I'm going to be here, we have a brief summer series that we call Then Sings My Soul. And uh, each week we look at a familiar hymn. You sang that wonderful old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And uh, for many of us, we remember it from our youth. And sometimes we like the old hymns because they take us back to our earlier years. We remember the churches, the people who sang them, uh, just the sound and the feeling of all of that. This is a, a song that's precious to many because it talks about friendship. And that's an important part of anyone's lives, is to have friends. Uh, some of you, I would love to sit down sometime and I say, tell me about the good friends you've had throughout your life from when you were small to who you are now. I remember the friends I had when I was a little kid. I've mentioned them before. One of my earliest best friends was a little boy named Lonnie Light. Lonnie Logan Light. His brother, Lance Luther Light. Uh, you see the pattern there. And uh, everyone in the family, all the family had LLL for their initials, including their dog, Lucky Leaky Light. And uh, <laughs> But... Uh, we moved around a lot, so I had an opportunity to not only have a brother who was a close friend, because he was the only one we often knew in school, we were always the new kids, but I remember after, uh, when I began school, my first year in kindergarten, in grade one, my best friend's name was Andy. His last name was Fink, Andy Fink, and he was, uh, he was a family, all the kids had red hair, I remember that. We had the Bundy family, Damon Bundy. What a kid he was. And and then we eventually moved to California, and my friends down the street, they were a wonderful Mexican family, the Contreras family. And uh, the second to youngest son and I were just great friends. He was my best man at my wedding. His name was Louis, Louis Contreras. But at the same time, we had some uh, Southerners moved into the neighborhood, people from South Carolina, and they were the only people in the neighborhood who talked funny than we Okies. And uh, so we, we immediately liked them. And the son, was he had a name from the Bible. We have a lot of Old Testament names, Ezekiel's and Zacharias and Isaiah's, but his name was Naaman, named after an Assyrian general who was a leper, Naaman the leper. So Naaman Robertson was my best friend as well for a long time. You know, these people come, they go, you make friends at Bible school that you're still in touch with and keep. Friends are such a blessing. People who you don't have to, you don't have to be or do a certain thing for them to care about you. They are stick with you because they're your friend. Even if you disappoint them or let them down, they're still your friend. So it's an amazing thing as we share a hymn today that speaks of Jesus, God's only Son, in those terms for us. Such human terms as our friend. Our theme verse for this passage, as we mentioned last week, is found in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be people who have a song in our hearts, literally. 
those songs and the truths of them that speak to us and minister to us should be on our lips and they get you through hard times. Sometimes it's hard to recite a Bible verse on the spur of the moment, but as you drive, as you go about your day, you can hum, you can whistle, you can sing along in your heart familiar songs of the faith. They are a blessing in that way. And today's song, as I've mentioned a couple times, is the hymn you've sung this morning, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Jesus as Friend. Now that kind of, that kind of blows my mind when I think about it. Because when I think of Jesus, I think of Him as Lord, which is the old word for Master. If He's the Master, I'm a servant. I think of Him as God, second person of the Trinity, the Creator God. I'm a creature. I always think of these terms that make me distant or at close, just a follower. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple of the Teacher. It's always this lower position as it rightfully is. He is God, the only begotten, the perfect Lamb of God, and we are sinners saved by grace. And yet in the midst of all of that, Scripture gives you a name as a believer in Jesus that is unexpected. Jesus sets aside the right and proper term of servant, of slave, because that was Paul's favorite description of himself. Paul, a slave of Jesus. Jesus sets it aside for the moment and gets to the heart of the matter and he names you his friend. His friend. Friends are not one high above the other. Friends are face to face and heart to heart. And I don't think, honestly, that we treat Jesus as our friend. Let's be honest. We think of him in often distant terms, rightfully so. But the phrase, a friend, that takes some thinking about. This hymn, as we mentioned briefly last week, Isaac Watts, the old hymns, they came out of these, these, these just singing the Psalms. By the time this hymn came along, the English church had been singing hymns in church, not directly out of the Bible, for about 200 years now. The man who wrote this hymn, his name, as you saw if you read the bottom, was, was Joseph Scriven. Joseph Scriven. He's a Canadian. I love that. Do you realize what a friend we have in Jesus has a Canadian, a Canadian origin? Joseph Scriven, though, was born in Ireland. As many Canadians have, myself included, he was an immigrant to Canada. He was born not only in Ireland, but he went to school at the incredibly famous Trinity College in Dublin, the greatest school in Ireland. He had his heart set on serving in the military, making that his career. And so he applied for a prestigious military school, but he was, he was rejected. One of many setbacks in his life, he was rejected because of his ill health. We're not sure what it was, but it was a chronic condition. And he was turned away because of that. He took solace in the fact the school didn't love him, but he had a girl who did. And when he was about 24, 25 years old, he became engaged to be married. But incredibly, on the day before their wedding, as he saw his bride riding toward him, her horse stumbled on a bridge over the river. They both went in the river and she drowned right in front of him. He was heartbroken. 
He had to get away from everything. And that, in part, was what prompted him to get on a ship and immigrate to Canada. Landing in Ontario, he used his education at Trinity College and became a tutor. He began teaching children, especially teach children of, of wealthy families in the area. And he did that for about 10 years. During that time, he missed his only remaining family, his mother back in Ireland, terribly. And in those days, news didn't travel quick. Before transatlantic uh, telegraph lines and everything, he received news that his mother not only was was deep, deep in in sadness and depression, uh, but she was very sick and maybe on death's door. And he couldn't get to her. He just couldn't get away. He couldn't go back. And for all he knew, by the time he got there, she would be gone. But they both shared a deep faith in Christ. In fact, in fact, Joseph Scriven belonged to the group that we call today the Plymouth Brethren. He was one of brethren. And we have people in our own church with brethren roots. Plymouth Brethren were the, uh, were the group, they were the very hardcore group of the brethren who sought to base their entire lives on Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. What he could do for his mom was write to her. And he was gifted with poetry and verse, as all of our hymn writers are. And so he, he wrote her a poem, and he called it Pray Without Ceasing. And he sent it to her. She recovered, thankfully. Well, in time, in his mid-30s, love came again. But again, his fiancée, before they could be married, she died of pneumonia. And so twice he'd lost women uh, that he loved on uh, shortly before marriage. He never, he never entered into another significant relationship again. He dedicated his life following in Jesus' footsteps to preaching and helping the poor. Whatever money he made from his uh, work as a tutor, he would use all of it for the poor. Giving away everything you have to help the poor, you see the where that's going. It makes you poor too. And so he lived on and off with friends and others. He lived on the kindness of his fellow Christians. Often he'd live in very humble, almost little shacks. And he'd spend his time preaching and helping others. In fact, people thought that was crazy to follow Jesus so nearly and so costly away. And so he earned a nickname of Crazy Old Joe. They all laughed at him. People who were his friends were now embarrassed by him. And many people turned their back on him and rejected him. He only lived to be 66. He had a severe fever and, and, and one of the brethren families had him in their house hoping that the fever would break during the night. They stayed up all night praying in a separate room and checking on him. They go in to check. His room is empty. They're not sure what happened. The fever was so high. It was a hot summer night, humid in Ontario as it gets to be. He had gone out of the house, down to the river. There was a spring nearby, probably for a breath of air and a cold drink. And they found him, lifeless body in the river the next day. He had fallen in in his weakened state and drowned as his beloved had years earlier. They buried him beside his second fiance, and he was all but forgotten. Crazy old Joe. Shortly before his death, somebody, one of his friends was sitting with him, going through his papers, trying to get it in order because he was very sick, trying to get his affairs in order. There wasn't much. And he found a copy of the poem he had sent to his mother all those years before. And he said, this is amazing. And Joseph Scriven says, that's not for you. That was just for my mom. He intended nobody to ever see that. 
But after his death, his friend took it. They published it in the newspaper. And a man saw it and was struck by it, and he set it to music. Didn't like the name, Pray Without Ceasing, so he gave it the title of the first line. What a friend we have in Jesus. During his life, Scriven published about a 100 hymns, but What a Friend We Have in Jesus was never allowed to be part of those. It was never meant to be seen by the public. But God has used it all of these years to bless the church. What a friend we have in Jesus. And that amazing thought is not just from a man's imagination. It's not just from a hymn. Somebody wrote a poem, but it's based directly on the teaching of Scripture. We are friends of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Why was Jesus so popular? Even people counted as His enemies wanted Him as a guest in their home. We see Him visiting in the home a welcome guest, a beloved friend with Mary, Martha, Lazarus. He was a man the people loved. He had an open heart and open hands for people around Him. He was a friend to those in need. What was the claim of his enemies that his friendship went beyond the acceptable religious people he was a friend of sinners jesus and so it shouldn't uh, shouldn't surprise us but it does that we too are called to see and relate to jesus as a friend just to remind you of the song you sang this morning the truths you shared The first verse of what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Jesus says you're His friend. He wants you to bring what troubles you, what hurts you, what causes you pain. He wants you to bring it to He, our friend. Bring it to Him. As He says in John chapter 15, in those precious upper room discourses, Jesus says, beginning in verse 12, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. And He says, You are My friends. If you do what I command you, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from My Father I have made known to you. Friends. You are My friends. I'm dying for you, My friends. Jesus, a friend of sinners. We didn't deserve His friendship. We don't deserve our salvation. It's grace. It's a gift. God's great love wants you to be His friend. And that's an amazing thought. Jesus, we often see that, and it kind of scares us. Rick referenced it earlier. Jesus says, you're my friends if you do what I command. We often take that as proscriptive, as Jesus is saying, that's it. That's it. You can't be my friend unless you check all the boxes and do everything I command. But it's not proscriptive in the original language. It's descriptive. If you're my friends, my commands and His great command that sums them all up is to love one another, 
love God with all your heart and love one another. He says, if you're my friend, this is going to describe you. You love God and you love others. This is my friends. You're like me. This is how we're friends together. Not only are we as friends, but other people in Scripture were called friends as well. All the way back in the Old Testament, James references the father of faith. We always think of Abraham just in regard to faith. But in thinking of that, James writes in James chapter 2, he said, And the Scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. There it is, faith. And it was credited to him as righteousness. We often forget this part. And he was called God's friend. Moses is called God's friend. It says God spoke to Moses as a friend face to face. God desires to love and be loved by his friends. It was through faith that Abraham became a friend of God. He believed what God told him. Moses became a friend of God because when God spoke to him from the burning bush, Moses did not flee. He trusted his friend. He put his faith. He believed in God because our friend is faithful. When you have a faithful friend, they're there all the time. A friend is faithful for a number of reasons. One of the things you can do is take your problems to them. They'll have your back. They're going to be with you. And isn't that the truth of Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6? And the truth of the hymn that we sang together? Beginning in verse 6 of Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, whatever burdens you carry, whatever happens to you, take it to the Lord in prayer. Remember the original title of the poem, Pray Without Ceasing, in sunshine and in shadow. And the truth of that is we do forfeit. We often miss the peace of God. We're content to wallow in worry instead of giving it to the Lord. Because when you do that, prayer proceeds peace. (laughs) Prayer proceeds peace. Prayer doesn't produce peace. That would have three Ps as well. It's not the prayer. It's the one to whom we pray gives us His peace. And His peace is given to us in that relationship. Because when you're praying and taking it to your friend, that is communicating with a friend. Some people... They don't pray as they should because they think prayer is a duty, that they are a groveling servant and there's a high king and and they don't want to come to him and be embarrassed with the same problem or sin again and again. But he's your friend. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hear from you. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Well, how could Jesus be my friend? (laughs) He knows you better than any friend you'll ever have. He knows everything about you. He created you from the dust. He knows every sin. He paid for it on the cross. Continues in the hymn, important truth that Jesus knows our every weakness. 
and yet he still calls you friend. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't turn his back on you. He doesn't cut you off. Jesus knows our every weakness. Continuing verse 2 of the brief hymn. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Don't let your failings, don't let your weaknesses, don't let your mistakes, don't let besetting sin cut you off from your friend who loves you and is the answer to our problems. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, it says, shares our sorrows. He wants to bear burdens with us. He wants to carry them with us. What did Isaiah 53 foretell Jesus to be? A man of sorrows well acquainted with grief. No time is more precious to have a friend like Jesus than in a time of grief. I remember when I lost my brother in an automobile accident. Just overnight. He was gone. There was a space in our lives and we just didn't know how to respond. And I remember one friend from school. Everybody else was awkward. This is the kid whose brother was killed in that accident. They didn't know what to say, so they avoid you. But I had one friend came over, and I remember, he just sat. Didn't have any real wisdom or comforting words. He just ministered with his presence. I remember it to this very day. People said a lot of things that I don't remember, but I remember that. A friend in sorrow as well as in sunshine. John chapter 11. I wonder why that story is there, the death and the resurrection of Lazarus. It's there for a lot of reasons. But one of them is to show us that Jesus shares our sorrow. It says when Jesus arrived after tearing and letting Lazarus not only be sick, but let him die and let him be buried and let him languish in the grave, then Jesus arrives in the midst of a mourning family starting a little earlier in verse 32 of John 11, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. His brother was one of Jesus' best friends. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loves him. I've heard and read preachers who said, well, Jesus, he's above human sorrow. He was weeping at the unbelief of the Jews. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? They didn't expect, they, they didn't deny he could resurrect him. They didn't, that wasn't even on their radar. They were hurting people who had lost a loved one. He wasn't weeping at their unbelief. His heart joined with theirs. And he wept with them. He entered into human sorrow because he's fully God, but he's also fully human. Don't deny our friend that. 
He knows our every weakness because He bore the weakness of human flesh yet without sin. See how He loved him. He did. He loved His friend Lazarus. Rose from the grave. The book of Hebrews puts it so well that Jesus is the perfect high priest. The perfect one to be a mediator between God and man. We don't pray through intermediaries. We don't pray through people that church has claimed are saints. We don't pray through Jesus' mother. We have one. There's one intermediary, Bible says, between God and man. The man Christ Jesus, who's fully God and fully human. You take it to the Lord in prayer. He's your friend. He's been through what you experience in this life. In the book of Hebrews it says, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why do we pray? Because we're confident. We're confident in our friend Jesus, our intermediary. We're confident that God has our best in mind. And we don't deserve God's love, and we don't deserve a friend like Jesus, not only our Savior, Lord, but our friend. But that's who He wants to be in your life. Are you carrying a burden you haven't given to your friend? I know we often do, but we ought not. We ought not. Because you will never find a friend so faithful. And that's the final verse. A friend so faithful. <laughs> the picture there is of Jesus as the good shepherd at the gate guarding the sheep. And you may think that, well, there's one of those pictures of God that He's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. It's unequal. But that shepherd loves his charges. In fact, he is faithful. The hired hand will run away when the sheep are threatened by danger. But the shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. And that's what our faithful friend has done for us. The final verse, there are actually four verses in the, in the poem. And the fourth one speaks of the fact that one day there will be no prayer because we'll see Jesus face to face. But the hymn, the musical hymn, ends with the third verse. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms, He'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. He will be your comfort, your refuge, your safe harbor. The man who wrote those words to a grieving mother experienced that reality. Crazy old Joe despised and forsaken by those that he had once counted friends because he put Jesus first in his life as his friend. Jesus didn't abandon him because in Old Testament and New, you study the meaning of the word friend and the root of it all is loyalty. Do you get that? Loyalty. Family fights. Family gets divided. But friends will stand by you when your family will reject you. Because the root of friendship is loyalty. A 
loving, caring loyalty. The book of Proverbs speaks of friendship that way. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The Bible says, don't run to your brother when there's trouble. Go to a friend. Loyalty. Because one of the things friends do and one thing Jesus wants to do in your life is to be with you in hard times and good times and good times and sad times and happy times and bad times. Again, in the book of Proverbs, just the chapter earlier, chapter 17, we read, a friend loves at all times. A brother's born for adversity. Any of you who had brothers know that. Oh yeah, you love your brother, but you often have skinned knees and bruised knuckles when it comes to your brother. <laughs> but a friend loves at all times. Jesus wants to be your friend. Are you open to Him today? Will you allow that? He is the faithful friend. Can we find a friend so faithful? It's of the Lord, the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah writes, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. <laughs> great is thy faithfulness. That reminds me of a hymn. It's not one of those we'll be speaking on this summer, but this is the verse for that hymn as well. Great is thy faithfulness. We have a faithful friend. We often think of Jesus as Lord, Master, giving His servants jobs to do. But the doing is not the important part of Christianity. It's the relationship with Jesus Himself. Some of you have read the wonderful classic devotion book, My Utmost for His Highest. One of the devotions in August, Oswald Chambers, says this important thing about our relationship with Jesus. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do but the relationship we maintain with God and the surrounding influence and qualities produced by that relationship. That is all God asks us to give our attention to. And it is the one thing that is continually under attack. Your friendship with Jesus. Be honest today as we conclude. How is your relationship with Jesus? I'm not saying, are you saved? I trust that you know Jesus as your Savior. He wants to be not only your Savior and your Lord, but your friend. When you pay attention to that relationship, your prayer time with Him, your devotional time, will be revolutionized. Because you won't be doing your good duty. You'll be spending time with a friend who loves you. You'll pour your heart out to Him, and in turn, he will strengthen and grow you to become more like Him. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Jesus. You so love this world that You gave Your best, Your only begotten Son. Lord, He was our teacher we called Him Rabbi. He was our Master. We followed Him. We called Him Lord. 
Father, on the eve of His crucifixion, He looked around at His followers and said, You're more than servants. I've opened my heart, my life, my plans to You. You're going to carry them on. and Show my love to this world. A love shown in its fullness as He took our sins and paid for them on the cross. And Father, through faith, we are saved and become Jesus' family and friends. Father, we also have His love and His mission to go into all the world and share the good news. Father, this becomes a joy and not a chore when we're doing it for a faithful friend. Lord, I thank You for being our friend in the days of sunshine. And Lord, how precious it is that You're our friend when the years go long, the aches and pains pile up, or when the heart is broken and we're in mourning. How precious You are as our friend. So Father, open our hearts and eyes to becoming friends of Jesus first and foremost. And let everything in our lives flow from that relationship. Lord, this is our prayer. And we pray it in the name of our friend Jesus. Amen. God bless you and keep you. Pray for VBS this week.